Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... There's so many different issues, but I think on a design and construction side, we just see bamboo is a really powerful way to help us reimagine how we want our human environments to be designed and how we want to build them and how to build them in community again, rather than building them or segregating ourselves from that whole process of construction. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 438 of Impact Boom. My name's Sarah, and I'm passionate about contributing to positive heart and soul-led transformation locally and globally. Today, we're speaking with Oren Hardy. Oren's passion is to connect and inspire people to be better humans, both to create an ever-advancing civilization and to make planet Earth a better place to be. Oren lives in Bali where he grew up, surrounded by rivers and jungles, but he's also lived in the US, Canada, Europe and Australia. He received a liberal arts degree from the Evergreen State College in 2011 and has since gained significant experience in bamboo construction, permaculture, teaching and entrepreneurship. Along with his team, he's welcomed hundreds of people from across the world to participate in his Bamboo U programs. He wants to bring more bamboo to more people to transform how humans live on the planet. On today's podcast, we will discuss what led Oren and the Bamboo U team to become global leaders in teaching bamboo architecture in person and online, as well as the innovative possibilities of working with bamboo for a more sustainable future. Oren, awesome to have you here today. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Sarah. It's great to get to be on your podcast. Well, it's wonderful to have you here. I'm really interested to hear more about your background and where things all started for you and what's led to where you are today. I started the same place everybody starts. I was born in Toronto, Canada. My parents are from Canada, but I actually very quickly was put on an airplane and brought to Bali in Indonesia where I uh, grew up. My parents have been here since 1975. I had the privilege and the honor of getting to grow up in a really beautiful place. Uh, Then I went off to school, boarding school in the US, then in Australia, then in Canada, in first in upstate New York. Then I actually was in Victoria in the way out in the bush. And then I was in Canada and BC. So got to see a lot of the world before I even got to university. So I guess that shaped a lot of what I do. But eventually, in 2012, after graduating from college in the States, I came back to Bali and I started first as a landscape and permaculture designer. And then I founded a farm with my wife, Maria. And then that evolved by 2015 into building buildings out of bamboo. And I think more specifically, really teaching people from all over the world how to build bamboo and why we need to take this material seriously. And I think the good news is if we fast forward seven years later or eight years later, people are taking the material 
very seriously compared to the way they were. And so that's really good news. But there's still a really long way to go. And I feel like we're still in the beginning in terms of taking a largely overlooked material that is a really a ubiquitous part of culture across the tropics, including here in Bali, and used in a lot of really traditional applications, but mainly for temporary purposes. And because of its durability, not necessarily seen as a viable option for people who want to build modern structures. And so uh, in Bali, we've had the freedom to really experiment with this material, learn how to treat it and how to design with it properly. And we've managed to build uh, not just minor houses out of it, but full scale kind of crazy mansion like buildings that I think defy our imagination and inspire us to understand that the future of sustainability can be not just efficient and not just better for the planet, but also ultimately a gift for us. Um, I think a lot of the time when people talk about making the world sustainable, they think about sacrifice, they think about all the things they're going to have to give up and how terrible it might be. And what if I don't have air conditioning? And what about my walls and concrete just feels safer. But actually, when we lean into it, we realize that although sacrifice is really important, and giving up all our stuff is also a good idea. Bamboo actually lets us explore the creative potential of sustainable design in a way that I think few other materials have really pushed us to do. And that's not because the other materials are not good. It's just because bamboo has such a unique and exceptional character. And it's really hard to mute that character, no matter how you use it, it comes out in the buildings uh, that we do, and has really pushed us to really design in new ways and impacts the overall process of building, not just the final outcome. Mm. Amazing. And you and the team at Bamboo U, you being the founder, can you tell us more about your organization, some of the projects you work on, and also the educational offerings that you have and the impact that's generating? Yeah, of course. So Bamboo U is actually part of a larger ecosystem of enterprises. Uh, my dad got really excited about Bamboo in uh, starting in the early 2000s and started building bamboo buildings. He started a, a school called the Green School. And then he, uh, my sister headed a, a design firm called Ibuku. And also they started a bamboo processing facility and factory that did a lot of treatments. So that grew into doing a green village and we had a green school and they have a hotel called Bamboo Inda. Um, and then I started a farm and then there's uh, also Bamboo Pier, which is the professional construction business that I also run now. All these things popped up as this ecosystem of different enterprises that my dad really initiated and they've all gone off in different ways and they're all still happening. But I really realized that I wanted to focus on how do we really bring this information and also this sense of inspiration and good energy. And I, I don't know how else to put it, but I think people often underestimate the, the importance of really encouraging and inspiring people when it comes to learning new things. So I started Bamboo U with my wife, Maria, and uh, and it really grew out of my work doing like different sustainability skills workshops and permaculture workshops on our farm. And it very quickly evolved into Bamboo U. We welcomed over a thousand people to take our courses here in Bali and then also online with our 11-week online immersion. Our goal is really to assist people in their goal. And, and what we've been finding is there's a growing uh, movement of people who really have the goal of building 
in right relationship with the land and building lighter and building in a way that feels like it's supporting or adding to the future rather than taking away from it. So Bambuyu has really been focusing on that. Every Everybody's interested. How do we help them understand from design all the way to construction? And how do we approach uh, bamboo building? And how can they take what we've done here and apply it in a new and creative way to their context? Because obviously in different contexts, bamboo is going to be useful in different ways. The way we build here in Bali may not be appropriate or even legal in a place like Australia, but I also know that there's a very healthy bamboo movement in a place like Australia, uh, and people are finding really creative ways to solve building problems in a sustainable way with bamboo. I'd love to know some examples of what that looks like and some of the misconceptions of what people think is and isn't possible. What are some of the emerging possibilities that you see in the bamboo architecture space and the sustainable design space more largely? There's two camps, right? There's the camp of people who are like, well, we have all these rules and regulations. And because we have those rules and regulations, what you're doing is just not possible because we have to follow those rules and regulations. And then there's another group of people that are like, Clearly, the rules and regulations have to change because what you're doing is clearly possible because we built over 150 buildings here in Bali and ourselves, and then another thousand people built other buildings. So there's these kind of two groups, right? And of course, everybody's like, how do I do that where I am? And and I, I always start that conversation with actually, you need to find a foothold and find a way that your community and your cultural environment is going to accept what you do and that it's going to be something that becomes attractive to people. And for us here in Bali, hospitality, building wild out-of-the-box buildings was really the, the first place to start to really help shift people's perception. It's really great also to focus on bamboo as a, a low-income alternative to other materials like concrete or steel. Uh, and there's some great organizations in places like the Philippines and, and also in South America that are really doing that uh, in effective ways. But we really feel like it's important to start with people's perspectives and perception. And one, one way to do that is to help redefine or reimagine what is the aspirational or modern dream for a house. And right now it's steel, concrete, permanent and isolated or let's say elevated from nature or disconnected from the sense of of being part of the natural world. How can we redefine that? And so design and creating kind of unique and and wild things is a good way to start. And so to answer your question, when people are looking at how do I do this in my context, I always say figure out some need or some way to do it. And so in the West, for example, places like Australia and Europe, there's a big movement of needing things like festival structures. So starting there, also starting in rural areas where there's less stringent codes might be a better idea than starting in cities. Uh, But that's all for like creative uh, round pole construction. Uh, One of the structures we really love to teach is the yurt. The yurt is a really simple hyperbolic structure that is modular and and efficient, uh, but still round and creative and really designed to build for the material like bamboo in its round form. But then you also have a whole other movement, which is also really cool, which is people who are figuring out how to create wooden or timber alternatives and really bringing bamboo into the mass timber movement. That seems to be the strongest foothold to get into places like urban environments and places where there's really stringent regulations. And I think that's really great. The risk there is that people neglect to question the overall regulatory environment where there's just more emphasis on 
uh, litigation and insurance policies than there is on actually building healthy places to live that are healthy for us, but also healthy for our environments. I don't believe it's appropriate to sacrifice the planet in order to make sure the insurance companies are happy. So that aside, it's also really important to look at things like that are fire safe, because actually one of the risks with round pole bamboo construction, I think is a legitimate one is fire. You know, if you're in a tropical area like Bali, where you have so much humidity, building a round pole bamboo building isn't a problem because it's actually quite hard to light something on fire most of the time. So as long as you're in a relatively suburban or, or rural context, round pole bamboo construction is perfect. But if you go to a place where fire is a real problem, then you're going to have to find other ways to use it. So the mass timber movement and using bamboo as a wood alternative is really interesting, not just from a sustainability point of view, where we're limiting the amount of trees we're cutting down and using a really fast growing material that has extremely strong fibers, but also from the performance point of view, because something that a lot of people don't realize is actually engineered bamboo is often stronger and harder than hardwood. The big issue is with cost. It's usually slightly more expensive, which means it's, it's often just reserved for things like window frames and floors and walls where there's a lot of impact or a lot of potential wear and tear is just stronger than softwoods. Uh, which is often the alternative to create wooden buildings uh, these days. That's really exciting. And I, I see Europe and the U.S. really doing a lot of work there. There was recently in the U.S. the first bamboo uh, building uh, made out of engineered bamboo was approved for carbon credits. So that's really exciting. So I see two potentials. One is in the, okay, how do we use round pole construction in, in more areas and really question the stringency of regulatory environments and whether that's actually necessary in every case or whether it's just who is that really protecting, I think is the, the question to ask. Uh, and then in another case, how do we create really sophisticated engineered products but regardless of which path you choose, at Bamboo U, what we're really interested in is helping people to redefine and re-understand how we build and make sure we build in good relationship or in right relationship, both with ourselves, because every building is an expression really and truly of who we are, as expression of our culture, it's an expression of what we believe. And right now we're pretty segregated and we live in a whole vast complex of quite boring buildings and simple things I think have a really bad psychological impact and need to be addressed. Simple things like, okay, if you enter certain buildings and you are blindfolded and you're put in the elevator and then you're let out somewhere, you would have a very hard time knowing where you are just because they're this monotony of the same thing over and over again. It's really hard even to orient yourself in the way that humans are used to orienting themselves. So there's so many different issues, but I think on a design and construction side, we just see bamboo is a really powerful way to help us reimagine how we want our human environments to be designed and how we want to build them and how to build them in community again, rather than building them or segregating ourselves from that whole process of construction, which is often the case. So regardless of whether our students go off and build with bamboo or not, we, we really hope that they get that message, which is natural lightweight construction is really possible in every context. We just have to do the work and we have to be willing to swim against the momentum of the modern building industry that really pushes us towards concrete, steel, aluminum, and plastic which are all actually really great materials. Uh, we're just using way too many of them. Absolutely. And hoping that as you capacity build yourself and other people in the industry, then that education can ripple out further to 
We're seeing it already. We're seeing people who come to our programs, they're building with bamboo. And I think the fun part is we like to teach the whole process from harvesting to treatment to processing to construction. And we're seeing people after they take our courses, it's assisting them in their goal to build with bamboo. And we have alumni on every continent doing really cool things. So that's our main drive, our main focus right now, because everybody comes here and they're like, wow, this is really special. And they're like, but we couldn't do this where we are. And I'm like, maybe you can, and maybe you don't have to do exactly this, but maybe you can do something similar that really helps solve problems in your area. Because one thing people don't realize is that if you came to Bali in 2000, there was no permanent bamboo structures on the island. They didn't exist. It was used for temporary applications and for temporary buildings and for, you know, things like gazebos in a traditional way. But if you wanted to find a full-scale permanent bamboo structure, it would be very hard to find. Because of the work uh, that we've been doing here, it is now a material that uh, a lot of people are using and understand has real potential. Mm. So, Oren, what are some inspiring projects or initiatives that you've come across recently that you feel are creating really positive change? There are so many different inspiring projects, and some of those are happening on a larger scale, and some of those are happening on a, on a smaller scale. Just with our alumni, I'm seeing some really interesting projects start to pop up in places like Uganda, where design firms in the Netherlands are collaborating with universities, and even having the government look at do large-scale urban projects where they're putting large canopies over uh, major transportation hubs in the middle of the city oh. to much smaller projects where you're seeing people basically all over the world find bamboo in a place where bamboo doesn't have a solid supply chain and you can't just buy it from the store yet or from a factory, treat bamboo themselves and actually build their own home. And because it's so light, you see this being a really important part of like things like ecotourism because they it actually makes a lot of sense to build with bamboo in a place where it's maybe hard to get a car because it's easy to carry, right? It's much easier than things like concrete and steel to carry. So we're seeing a lot of that. There's a really great foundation. The Hilti Foundation is doing some pretty incredible work in the Philippines. So the, the Base Baha'i is an organization that is bringing thousands of homes to low-income communities in the Philippines, and, and they're building everything with bamboo. Uh, and they're engineering that bamboo and they're getting it to be officially certified. So they have a whole kind of lab in the Philippines where they're testing lots of different techniques in order to make sure that those bamboo buildings are typhoon proof because the Philippines is like the windiest place in the world, right? So they get more typhoons than anywhere else. So if they're building out of bamboo successfully and they're doing it for $5,000 a house, you just know that there's something powerful in that. And then beyond that, a project that I'm really inspired about and, and full disclosure, I'm also invested in is chop value. So beyond uh, just working on our round pole bamboo construction here, and we have multiple projects going on, I have been expanding chop value into Indonesia and chop value uh, has started Vancouver and they're actually upcycling chopsticks and turning them into furniture and surfaces and also small products that give, you know, those chopsticks a second life. Because if you think about a chopstick, most of them are uh, harvested and made in China or Vietnam, and then they're shipped all over the world, used for 30 minutes and then thrown in the landfill. And so Chop Value has over 10 locations. They've upcycled over 100 million 
chopsticks in the last three years. And now they're looking to open over 100 locations and they've already signed 60. So here in Indonesia, we're going to do 25 locations. And uh, here we have chopsticks, which I, I didn't realize how many chopsticks were actually being used on the island. Uh, but we're also using uh, sate skewers, which is a similar shape to chopsticks. So we're using those and we're pressing those in our micro factory. And, and we're looking to open 25 micro factories in Indonesia in the next few years. So that's really exciting because I realized even with bamboo being such a sustainable material, the amount of, and even in my context, we're, we're using a relatively small amount of bamboo in the scheme of things. We still had this capacity to really tax the resource if we didn't plan for it properly. And we we're also wasting a lot of bamboo. And so I realized we really needed to find a way to waste less bamboo. And so part of that was like, what if we collected more waste bamboo than we wasted? And then what if we had a way to take all of the bamboo that we're using and use every bit of bamboo for its highest purpose and avoid having to dispose of large quantities of bamboo. So Chop Valley has really been part of that. And I think one thing people don't realize is that the main barrier to entry, the reason there isn't more bamboo everywhere, has less to do with its applicability or less to do with how practical it is to use it in different contexts and much more to do with the fact that supply chain just isn't very developed in a lot of places. So I has a very good domestic supply chain where it's cut down in someone's backyard and turned into something in its context. But as far as helping solve things like climate change, helping lighten the load of our buildings so that we have uh, our buildings going from being net carbon emitters to net carbon sinks, is as far as uh, that requires really a type of industrialization of bamboo that allows the supply chains to develop. Because the only place in the world that has a really strong bamboo supply chain is China. And they're doing a great job sending that to the rest of the world. But there are also many other bamboo hotspots that have a similar capacity to do this. That includes places like Indonesia, where our bamboo is actually up to four times more productive than the Chinese bamboo. But there isn't a coordinated way to get that from the farmers in the forest in a sustainable way to factories that can do that. So that's why I'm really excited by models like Chop Value, where it's actually a distributed model instead of a centralized model. Mm, yeah, amazing. So much potential there. And we'll have to keep in touch about what you're doing as that expands. So, Oren, to finish off, what are some books or resources that you would recommend to our listeners? Some great books to recommend if you're interested in bamboo. I think one really good one is called Booming Bamboo by Pablo Vanderloot. And that really describes how we can use bamboo in order to transition to a much more circular economy. Another great book for kind of more traditional book is Bamboo, the Gift of the Gods by Oscar Hidalgo. So I think those are two really powerful books that I definitely recommend anybody who's interested in bamboo should read. And of course, uh, it's not technically a book, but if you're interested in learning more about bamboo, uh, we have a 11 week course uh, that teaches you everything from how to harvest it all the way to how to design and build with it. Naturally, given that I started it, uh, I'm, I'm going to recommend that too. So those are some great books and some great things that I, I think anybody who wants to get involved in bamboo sh should read. And then one more, if you're a little bit more nerdy and into engineering, is some of Fry Otto's work. I can't remember the number. The book has a number. But Fry Otto wrote a book about bamboo and, and how to use it in his structural systems as well that I think is pretty influential. Brilliant. Thank you. Look, I've learned so much about bamboo and it's really inspiring to hear 
what's already happening in the space and how much more goodness there is to be created and the processes and the communities across the world who are already working on this. It's a bright future. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, pretty exciting. And in a world with so many problems, it's good to have a few solutions. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, Oren. Thank you, Sarah. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below. And remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter. Thank you.